Hello? Hey, okay, now I can hear you because my thing was connected to my AirPods and it won't like disconnect. This is the first episode of This is Asian America, and I am Lynn. Hi, I'm Jennifer, and also, sorry if the connection or, like, the podcast gets really staticky, because my connection is super bad right now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, I guess we can start off by saying, like, today we're going to talk about my model minority myth and the things we've experienced Mm -hmm. from that. So for, like, folks who aren't familiar with the model minority myth, if you're not, like, Asian, I think you already know this definition like with the back of your hand but then the model minority myth is basically this characterization where like asian americans are financially successful physically healthy and upwardly mobile basically they mean that they're basically the white man's favorite minority group in america and they often don't get into trouble or they're often just there to be hardworking and to be quote-unquote good citizens Yeah, and I think this myth kind of um, happened or, like, was created around, like, the 19th, around 1965 when, like, they started letting Asians Mm -hmm. in again into the country. But they, like, prioritized all the doctors and, like, all the business people in Asia. So that's why this model minority kind of existed. Like, it was used against a lot of other people of color, like, Black people and, like, latinx Mm -hmm. like it was just super bad for um both sides and yeah we were kind of seen as a threat prior to this model minority um to the white man yeah we need to really reflect how like with the current situation we see chinatown as like this place where we go hang out we get boba we get like our treats from there right we usually go there to have fun with our friends and our family but then beforehand, that was a place where all the Asians went to because there were so many white violence around them. If they live in a white neighborhood, there will be violence against them. So then they were really scared for that. So then they all came together and then live in this really like run down neighborhood. And it's still dealing with a lot of gentrification now to this day. And I think that that's very important to recognize, right? People saw Chinatown originally as this disease filled like place of like Asian people right people saw Asian people as these disease carriers see how familiar it is now to this time and I think that people need to recognize that history instead of just saying that like oh this is now a tourist um, location in many cities in this country yeah because like when I was little uh, we used to, well, me and my brother used to go to Chinese school uh, mm-hmm. during that, like, the weekends and all that. Like, I'd never see a lot of, like, tourists, I guess. And it was just mainly full of Asian people. But once I got into high school, like, a ton of, there's more diversity and a ton of gentrified restaurants, in my opinion. <laughs> like, in my opinion, I think bubble fish yep. and, like, Paris baguette is kind of really um americanized and there's like a, so many americanized restaurants and bubble tea stores there like and there's so few in my opinion um traditional asian cuisine there and mo- mostly like all the high schoolers and tourists uh gravitate towards the uh, quote-unquote gentrified restaurants which like i really don't like because we should be supporting the small like chinese you know businesses mm-hmm. 
there before they get um you know evicted out or something yeah, like definitely. that definitely when i like go to chinatown i go to the ones you know what i'm talking about the ones, they're really small there's barely like chairs yeah. there, and you have to stand there and eat and then when you talk to the cook you have to speak chinese or they won't understand you like you know what i'm talking yeah. about like that kind of stuff and then you see that one kid in another table doing their homework because they're the kids of the mm-hmm. uh, boss there that's when you know it's like real authentic shit and then that yeah, Ting yeah, Wong's Ting Wong. in Philly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that we can, like, get into, like, how the model minority myth really affects both of us growing up. And I can, like, really... I'm gonna mm-hmm. go... This is, like, vulnerable time to go really... Into, yeah, totally. Into it. It's, like, I think that I'm still very much being affected by it, right? I think that I grew mm-hmm. up being, like, oh, I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm not your model minority myth. I'm not here to make you feel better about your privileges and things like that. But then I think that there's still a part of me where it's just like, I still want to assimilate, right? And because of the model minority Mm -hmm. myth, I think that it really messed up my priorities. And I think that I don't really prioritize resting, prioritizing my health physically and mentally. And it's always been like, oh, I need to impress people, right? My resume has to be the very best. Oh, I go to the best school in this city. I have to be the best person to ever exist the best student right and I think that that really mm-hmm. affected me even like junior year it's, I've been it's been three years in high school I think that it's really affected how like my relationships and like my friendships with people people have told me they're like oh you need to take a break you need to take a rest and then I'm like it's hard because I'm like when I see something I like like a program right and I knew that my um schedule was all like full I would still apply to it and then I had to I had like a whole week of like my burnout where it was just like I had to I had so many things I had like 10 zooms one day and I had to go to every single one of them yeah it was really, it was really bad and then like it's just really gotten to a point where it's just like oh I won't do that anymore that was in September mm-hmm. and in October that happened again oh so a program that I liked wanted to go apply for it because it will look good on my resume and on my college app right applied to that one mm-hmm. and then had another week of burnout and then I'm in November now and then I actually been reflecting and I've been talking to a lot of people that are close to me and my mm-hmm. mentors and they were just like but you really need to just evaluate and being like is it good for me in the long run right because I think that if I keep getting on to this type of behavior it wouldn't end really well for me so then I've been trying my best to really get rid of this really competitive habit that like my parents really enforced in me being like oh you have to be the best right or like people won't mm-hmm. respect you enough won't see you like it won't see you as a person they won't give you dignity and I think that that's still within me and I think that folks can really relate to that where like we hate the model minority but then there are still some portions of it that we still hold on to because we felt like if we hold on to that one people would respect us more Yeah, because I think it kind of like the model minority myth is kind of pushed upon us Asian Americans and also like our traditional Asian folks. Mm -hmm. Like they're always like, you got to save face, you got to look like you're you're hardworking and stuff and you know, bring honor to the family and all that. But shoot, yeah, like I remember um, you doing our program, Aspire program at UPenn, but you were just um, done mock trial and you looked like so studious and busy with everything. But (laughs) yeah, shoot. I can tell how hardworking you are because, like, um, you're, like, uh, you're collaborating with a bunch of other people from Central and doing this and doing that. And, yeah, like, it does take a really big toll into your 
mental health too and like how how do your parents like respond about mental health and stuff like that no let me tell you something this has actually been very surprising like where my parents really supported me in my like I guess my ambitions to like succeed but then like lately Mm -hmm. I've been putting on a lot to myself that one day my parents were like hey Lynn maybe next year just do two things that that was I was so shocked when my parents said that to me because they were just they recognized how like stressed I was and I was like they were like hey it's good that you are being a good student but then are you like anything outside of that right are you taking care of yourself? Yeah. are you having a hobby or something like that yeah are you living your yeah. life actually <laughs> like when they said that to me I was just like you know I grew up with this mindset and you're telling me now like I need to get away from that and then it's so hard but then I was so shocked that mm-hmm. like someone who's like really traditional where like they really believed in the whole idea of like pulling up your bootstrap told me hey maybe you need to calm down and just like go take a nap and stop thinking stop taking these zoom like meetings and stuff like that you you are fine right they're like you will go to college you won't like be like quote-unquote unsuccessful right and then like I felt like yeah. that was really surprising because I'm just like dang what what happened to them <laughs> Because I feel like the parents, like, they just kind of, they they want to push you so much. But, like, once they can tell, like, you're kind of low-key breaking down, mm-hmm. they want to, like, preserve their, you know, um, child and not have them um, suffer too much. Yeah. How did, like, the model minority myth really affect you? Because I know that you're older than me and then, like, you dealt with it probably different from me. But then maybe we can share some connections, too. I don't, oh, this is really funny. Because, mm-hmm. like, sometimes I don't, like, I forget that I'm Asian, low-key. Like, I just I just get so focused on my, like, my, my schoolwork or, like, just different stuff that I forget. Like, because um, growing up, I've never really been bullied because I was Asian, which mm-hmm. is, like, super rare. Because, like, a ton of my other Asian friends have been bullied because they were Asian. My brother got jumped in fifth grade with his friend group because they were Asian. And oh. it's just, like... It's just so surprising how life, like, never, you know, like, nothing really happened to me about that. But, like, personally, like, in my own head, the model minority myth still, like, affects me, too. Because every day I'm trying to strive for success and I'm trying to push myself and push myself, like, to the point where my friends are always, like, asking me, like, if I'm okay and, like, why I'm always, like, trying to work so hard for no reason but there is a reason to it like even my parents started seeing me kind of like break down a little bit and they were telling me to chill because they'd rather have like a mentally stable daughter but I was just like I can't chill like because my parents like they've never I guess they're kind of different from your parents because they never really pushed me so much to do Mm -hmm. all that um they just said do whatever makes you happy but like what makes me happy is like working really hard Mm yeah just like it just, just the idea of doing this podcast with you makes me really happy because like podcast seems really productive and like it's it's like sharing our stories and all that doing a lot of stuff just makes me like really happy and I feel like I am a part of the model minority myth because I am that stereotypical Asian girl who's like sort of quiet and like pretty does pretty well at school and like I know like a ton of my other friends who are also Asian like they they don't like to be painted as the model minority myth so they'll like do something to kind of rebel right against away. it yeah, yeah. Right and that's mm-hmm. like another problem too because like other persons of color or just like people in general they look at asians they're just kind of like uh they're they're really studious and then they they 
they see someone who's rebellious and they're kind of like, oh, shoot, there's Asian people like that who exist. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, stuff like that. I think that for me, it's just like, one thing I really don't like talking about is the model minority as an Asian person. Because I feel like when I talk to any other Asian pe- like person, they're just like, okay, we relate on a couple of things. We like boba. <laughs> we, we don't like the model minority myth. Mm-hmm. Oh, we want more representation in media and in our politics, right? And I think that, like, that really then takes over the conversation, right? Every time when we, like, have a really deep conversation, it always relates to the model minority myth. And I feel like that's important. That's an important conversation to have, right? But mm-hmm. then that's not the only conversation needed to have. Because I really think that the model minority myth really benefits personally only east asians right yeah and i think that when we only talk about the model and minority myth we're basically putting our conversation to east asians what about the other south uh, other asians right southeast asians south asians central asians they often aren't in the conversation and then like i think that i've been radicalized this summer where it's just like i promise myself that like when i talk about anything i can't keep bringing up any East Asian stuff because that that's taking over space, right? I don't think that anytime I organize, I be like, oh, we must have an East Asian narrative, right? Because we we need to understand that, like, as an Asian Americans, there this is a name and an identity that gives us something to organize around, right? Yeah. I don't see Asian American as this adjective. I see it as a political statement. So then, when I say Asian American, you understand where I'm coming from, right? Being like, I have a face, I have a voice, I have a name. I have a movement, I have a history and a consciousness and also like a rage from people decades ago that felt the same thing as me, right? We mm-hmm. refused to, I think that like one thing that's really, I'm really glad that's happening right now is how much we hate the model minority myth because like a lot of my older generational folks, they're more like, oh, being the model minority, like um, it helps us succeed right? It's this thing where it's just like, it's a safety net, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we won't be oppressed as much as like black and brown folks. We won't be um, like when people see us down the street, they won't think that we're a threat, right? Yeah. I think that's why they've been so reliant on it. So then when we're like pulling away from it, they're just like, no, we can't lose the safety net, right? Mm-hmm. We can't, we, when we um, during the COVID-19 thing, I think that's when we realized that, oh, shit, we're not the mi- model minority myth, right? When people saw us as this, like, Asian disease invasion, right? People yeah. were, like, scared of us because of what we looked like. Mm-hmm. And then that was such an uncomfortable feeling for me because I was just like, oh, my God, people are scared of me now. I grew up with people being so relaxed around me, being so comfortable around me. And for the first time, I genuinely see disgust and fear in these people's eyes. And I was just like, oh, that this is so different. This is so weird. <laughs> yeah, like that COVID, COVID situation, like it just, I remember uh, a Chinese man in San Francisco, he got like attacked by people because like, you know, he was Asian and because mm-hmm. of this COVID thing. But I also feel like you said like the um, model minority myth was um, a safety net for Asian people, but I feel like it's more of a safety net towards people of, yeah, as you said, mm-hmm. East Asia, because we look, quote unquote, like more Asian than other Asian people, like um, people from Bangladesh or like, you know, Indians or something like that. So I feel like for like West 
Asia, is that a thing? Or South Asia? Yeah, Asia? South Asia. Yeah, people from, like, other places except for East Asia, like, the term model minority does not blanket them at all. And they're, mm-hmm. like, you know, nothing protects them. And when it, I know, like, a ton of my other friends, um, like, they didn't even know that they were Asian because they thought that Asian people were, like, Chinese and Japanese and, you know, mm-hmm. Korean stuff. Yeah, but... With the whole COVID situation, I just, like, there's so many Asian people who are being attacked and, like, people who weren't even Chinese, like, Vietnamese people, Cambodian people, they were being attacked just because they looked Asian. Yeah. I think that was the time when, like, our ethnicities were, like, I'm not Chinese. And then I always told people who were like that, I'm just, like, the racist people don't care. Yeah, they really don't. I don't care if you're Cambodian you're from thailand you're from laos they're just like i see you and i see china like i feel like a lot of asian people really need to put that into perspective how like they don't care if we have 60 ethnicities yeah we have such a huge diversity of people we have different cultures we have different languages and dialects and we can barely understand each other in china right Mm -hmm. (laughs) china has like i don't know hundreds of like dialects and i don't understand any of them i only know one right Fujianese. And then, like, when we communicate with those people, we can't even relate because they have such a different lifestyle than we do. Yeah, like, I don't how... understand Fujianese at all. <laughs> that's how different it is, right? And then, like, I think this is the moment where we're just like, okay, now we're seeing the fact that all of us are getting attacked. What do we do about it, right? I mm-hmm. think this is, like, when we really start questioning our place in this country, being like, oh, the model minority myth, what, where can that get us? Sure, it can give us a short time of like protection but then sooner or later another thing like covid happens again guess who they're gonna blame us again right so then like when racist people are like oh you don't speak english you don't do any of that oh go back to where you come from i don't use the responses that a lot of people use where it's like oh i was born here oh i have a phd at harvard right because i think that those doesn't help you anymore like sure that makes you respected in the quote-unquote academic world but then like in an everyday basis they don't care if you went to an ivy league because to them you're a chink right Mm -hmm. yeah so what would you usually say oh sorry for interrupting what i usually say i think when people say that i have to really look at the situation right i need to make sure that people with me are safe and we don't like get harmed in any way right and then like i think that when i see people like that i'll just be like I'll, I'll basically curse them out i don't think that i play that whole respectability thing yeah. where i'm like oh um i go to central what i can speak english very well <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not saying anything like that i'll just basically curse them out and then they get very surprised at that because mm-hmm. they were like oh my god there's five four asian um quote-unquote girl that lo- looks like a girl to me and it's like oh he's yelling at me and cursing me out right they get very surprised about that yeah but then like that's definitely something that we really need to reflect on how do we tackle that kind of thing but then the first option is to really be safe right don't get hurt in any way with like confronting these people because these people will like turn on you if they get really angry yeah but you know lin lin about to about to throw hands at anyone (laughs) try to mess with her and that's like another thing too because everyone sees asians 
um, as very timid. Like they won't fight. They're not those type of people. They'll just argue. Mm-hmm. They won't even argue. And that's the thing. Like I've never met an Asian person. Well, in, in, like my friends, I've never met an Asian friend who won't like put up a fight. You know, we're not quiet yeah. people. Like we're very, um, I guess, Americanized. Like to the point where we won't sit down and take your shit. Like we will. Like <laughs> we will put out a fight. <laughs> yeah. I think that like this idea of like oh Asian women in particular are very weak and like shy, really tiny, right? It's because of fetishization, right? Yeah. People in media often portray Asian girls like that, where like oh they're they don't speak good English. They're just here to just basically oh be our maid, right? They're just there to be or side um, character. Our- side characters or our housewives and stuff like that and I think that watching those kind of things growing up that really be like oh people see me as this um shy person so I have to be loud I feel like people like listening to this and they emphasize that even if you're shy you're still resisting Mm -hmm. right even if like you are very similar to what this model minority caricature is you are still valid as a person definitely people like people think that like oh if I'm shy and I'm stuff like that oh I'm I'm playing into the model minority myth I'm oppressed and I'm not being radical enough I think that people here need to recognize that like no matter who you are our identity is very like valid and then we have a lot of depth to us right we can be the meanest people ever and we can be the nicest person that you can meet down the street right and then that we're all just human beings in the end and I think that that's what one thing I want people to take away from the model minority is that it stops us from being humanized basically it doesn't put us as people it just puts us as a thing that can be used in a debate against another community of color yeah and what I wanted to also say was like the model minority myth doesn't like it doesn't Mm -hmm. solely affect us negatively it also affects people like black people and latinx Mm -hmm. people too because um as more um asian people from like the top priority asian people who are doctors and stuff were rolling into america like white people use us as an example uh towards black people and said ha even though they're immigrants and they just might have migrated to this country with nothing they're still really successful like why aren't you as successful too but Mm -hmm. like that's a problem because you only prioritize you know the doctors and stuff like coming into this country and it just like had the, a lot of the black community hated like the Asian community for mm-hmm. that. Like the model minority myth also affects black folks too. Yeah, and I think that it's always been about. I think this can cater to another conversation that we might have in the future about like the good immigrant and the bad immigrant, mm-hmm. right? And then how like oh we respect people who can assimilate really well. But then, like, some people never will assimilate. And it has nothing to do with, like, their capacity to do so, right? Because this country is really hostile. And then, like, it really... Especially towards immigrants. Yes. It really is, like, oh, you have to demonstrate to us that you are... You you deserve our respect, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like, if you are not legitimate and you you don't fit our picture of a good immigrant who works hard, who's doing amazing, all your kids are going to college then you're a bad immigrant and you don't deserve to be here. Like, a lot of people in this country love to play God with, with this, where it's like, oh, you don't deserve to be here, but you deserve to be here. 
and it's like that as like the worst and most boring thing like for me is like does it feel good to really strike back at the oppressor with like my housing with my stable income with my quote-unquote white accent and my PhD from Harvard right I feel like people really like doing that where it's like guess what I'm a good immigrant oh I'm the good daughter from my immigrant parents who came here and put me to college right we need to really reflect on that especially that we're going to college and we're in high school that's preparing us to go far in our careers Mm -hmm. but the thing with college also I feel like a lot of people paint Asians oh wait what's that thing where Asian people um they're 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 more discriminated on into going to like prestige colleges I forgot what it's called oh you're talking about um affirmative action yeah that's a very controversial topic where it's like what is on the basis of like discrimination because we need to know that like when the affirmative action case against Harvard and Yale white people used Asian people as a shield I support affirmative action and then I think that that conversation is very like how do I say this very split in our community and very controversial Mm -hmm. yeah well like I don't know if I support it or not or like should we just talk about this in another podcast like just about college and stuff like that yeah yeah. (laughs) but I think it also does like the factor of um, model minority does really play into affirmative action too Mm. I think that like sure people think that there are something that we really need to change a bit up in the affirmative action thing where like a lot of them believe that we're all STEM majors. Mm-hmm. We are all full score on the SAT people. I did so and- bad on mine. <laughs> I did it twice. Whatever. I'm scared. No, don't scared. be. Don't be. It's like, just do Khan Academy. But anyways. <laughs> anyways. So, mm-hmm. And then I think that this really, I guess, model minority myth is just like, it's just quote-unquote conditional whiteness Mm -hmm. right it's just like oh we get to be white for like two years and oh when covid comes we lose that right but then again i have like uh okay um i don't know if this is stereotypical or not but like a lot of my cambodian friends like they don't like to be like a white asian or banana as they would refer it to they'd rather like Mm -hmm they rather be seen as ghetto if, if you know what I mean like mm. I think one thing that we like because I am with someone who's Cambodian and then like she was like we were we were having this conversation about how like me and her standing in the Asian community is different mm-hmm. right yeah her, like Cambodians a lot of Southeast Asians deal with a lot of things like colonialism a lot of like trauma from the wars and the violence from like America, right? Because the US were in um Southeast Asia when they were trying to fight their wars. And then that like they dealt with a lot of things where it's like they grew up with things like whitening cream. Yeah. All of us grew up. All of us grew up with like that kind of stuff where it's like double eyelids, whitening cream, plastic surgery to look more European, mm-hmm. right? And then I think that that's really important how like they said that, oh, we don't want to be a lighter um, skin tone Asian because then it's like, oh, people are trying to erase us, right? Because I think that a lot of, like, 
these like these Asians are much more darker. They consider themselves brown. Yeah. Right? And then that I think that that's a way of like empowerment because they feel like oh people I grew up with this whole idea of trying to cater and trying to look white and I don't want that like I refuse to be like that and I think that your friends are at like a good place with that and I appreciate Definitely. that sometimes. but also there's like mm-hmm. like white people stereotypes like oh they they eat unseasoned chicken and all that and they just don't like want to be mm-hmm. part of that you know stereotype i guess like being like the white asian whitewash asian stuff like that mm-hmm. but definitely yeah i i totally understand where they're coming from with the like whole whitening skin cream i remember we had a conversation in aspire about that too and yeah. like has your family ever had any beauty standards for you i think it never it has never been about being pale i think it was never really enforced like that but I think mine was just like being thin. <laughs> you know what I'm talking being about? Being what? <laughs> being thin. Thin. Ah, uh, skinny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, being skinny. Mm-hmm. And then like I think that like coming from an like a nation who's like don't look like a typical oh uh, skinny Asian person, I think that it's like it really messed with me, right? Growing up seeing so many skinny Asian people mm-hmm. in my dramas seeing skinny people on tv shows and then it's like wow i don't look like that i strive to be like that and it's better now like i'm just like i don't care fuck that and then like but it's kind of it's really hard when it's like oh people around you my friend group a lot of them are skinny people and it's like oh we i deal with a lot of like i guess fat shaming right basically how like oh you don't look like what I typically see as an Asian person, which connects to a lot of minorities, mm-hmm. right? Skinny, light skinned, um, straight black hair with bangs, and then you're just quiet, right? That is what people see as that. And then, like, we really typically, I typically for myself, like, I stray away from that caricature. So then I never dealt with whole, this whole model minority myth really badly, physical, like, beauty standards wise. Uh... Well, so so your family never really cared about like oh you're you're kind of too uh, suntan like you should be a little lighter stuff like that. No, no, no. Actually, it was not because I was really active. Oh, that's up. good. So then, like, I was like, I was out in the sun a lot. So I was tanned growing mm-hmm. up. So then my parents were just like, oh, she's just active, mm-hmm. right? And then like because of COVID, like I lost a lot of my tan. <laughs> Everyone then, like, did. Look. <laughs> no and I started looking really uh-huh. pale and then I couldn't get used to it because I thought that me looking pale made me look sick yeah definitely. I look sick. yeah my parents used to say that <laughs> about me too mm-hmm. and then my mom was like no you don't you look prettier and I'm like what <laughs> I was like mom I look sick I've been in this house for like months now and I'm like I can't go outside mm-hmm. right and then my mom's just like no, you look better. And I'm like, what do you mean better. you look better? So- <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, my family, like, they're weird. They never brought up anything, like, um, skinny or fat because my aunt was fat. Mm-hmm. I love her to death. Like, she's mm-hmm. so, like, nice to hug. <laughs> but, yeah, she, like, they <laughs> never really put that upon us. But definitely, like, two summers ago, um, the summer before going into junior year, I was out all the time. I was, like, so, so tan. One day, my dad was just like, huh, it's a little Cambodian, but he never said anything about like skin whitening or anything. So I guess my family is not like the typical Asian family, immigrant, Asian immigrant family. 
mm-hmm. everyone knows of. Yeah. Dang, I'm just like thinking about how like I think the model minority myth really is like such a diverse thing because everyone experienced it differently. I experienced it in like the more educational version yeah, of it being like the smartest one, the smartest person in the oh, class. Not me. Right? The <laughs> no, like at the try uh, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that we were such like the model minority myth made all of us really huge try hards, and we're just like we're trying the very best, and we go like out of our way for that. Mm-hmm. And then I think that one thing we need to be very mindful of, uh, uh, mindful about is the whole weapon weaponization of the model minority myth, mm-hmm. right? It you you brought it up multiple times where it's like we all need to acknowledge now that it's an invention of white supremacy to advance like anti-blackness yeah right? it's to basically discourage black liberation like we need to understand this is a tool this has never been about oh this is just something that is our privilege do not feel privileged to be the model minority it's not something to be really honored about mm-hmm. right i feel like a shame a lot of the times when it's like oh that this is something that has been used to be like oh to oppress other communities right and then I'm trying to like leave that story for like a really long time. And then I think that all of us are trying to leave this really problematic narrative that like, oh, our ge- like our generation from the moment we were born, we were taught this, right? This is like legit. We were taught this. Yeah. Thing. This is not something that, this is not something like we're like, oh, we realize at the age of 12, we were taught this mindset since the moment we knew to how to do things like yeah. walking right this is something that has been incessant and I think that that's why we're just very hard to be like wow this is so hard to leave Mm -hmm. now because we're so comfortable with it we're so reliant on it and then I think that yeah me and you having this conversation ourselves and seeing how much it really harmed people and harmed ourselves I think that this is might be a genuine path on like destroying this narrative and Leading on from that, how do you think Mm -hmm. you're going to kind of try to destroy that portion of yourself that still believes in the model minority, like, who's still, like, Mm -hmm. do do you know what I mean? Like, as we both said, we Mm -hmm. kind of fit into that model minority with this whole schoolwork and hardworking. So, like, how will you try to bridge yourself away from that? I think, for me, my bridging away from that has always been about reading, Mm -hmm. right? I've been reading a lot been reading a lot about history and things like that and just recognizing how like this has been a tool like it was never for my benefit and then me recognizing how like my perfectionist like behavior everything got to be perfect that's white supremacy right people want us to be perfect to be respected and then I think that reading a lot of these people who were considered outcasts like a lot of these Asian people who were considered Mm -hmm. threats to the status quo then it's just like, man, I look up to people like them because they still succeeded, right? While not being the model minority myth because they believe that, oh, our community deserves better than that, right? We deserve better in aspects of like, of being respected and then that we don't have to wait every decade to get that respect from whiteness, Mm -hmm. right? So then definitely I encourage people to read more. yeah, Because like, Reading, I know that, like, reading is such, like, a boring thing because school made it really hard, but then, like, 
<laughs> it's like something where it's like I started reading so much like books for Asian people written by Asian people right and then when I read anything that's like white centric it's euro eurocentric it has a eurocentric lens I get so bored with it because I can't relate to it and I'm just like I don't care if this white man did this he was like probably racist and I don't care about you right this is like so then when I I'm in AP US history and it's like really hard for me to really yeah I was learn what's in the Mm -hmm. textbook right because you're just like okay they, they all just did stuff because they came from places of privilege and then how can I relate yeah. to this, right? So then it's been very hard for me to basically memorize these things because I'm just like, it doesn't have anything to do with me and I can't use this as a life skill, right? Hamilton making the bank of the um, United States doesn't make me become like the best financing major because I'm what? I'm not a man and I'm not mm-hmm. white. <laughs> I remember like being super right. bored in US history, uh, like AP US history. I had Sheldon, do you have Sheldon Jay? You have Humes. I have uh, Humes. Shoot. But um, yeah, I was so surprised because when I came up to the section of Asian Americans and just basic Asian American history, we only touched on it for like 15 minutes. And I was just kind of like, shoot, that's why we should really create or like bring back the Asian American history. Mm-hmm. And like also with the thing piggybacking mm-hmm. on um, you liking to read so you learn more about just Mo- just trying to branch away from the model minority myth i like suggest for people who dislike reading uh to watch more mm-hmm. asian american movies although there's like very few in in my knowledge yeah i remember recommend one definitely recommend one. but they're like really corny oh no 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 but the one that like i really recommend is crazy rich asians because like the whole cast is you know asian even the director wasn't <laughs> wasn't the director asian too so the director, one of them was Asian, the other one was white, and then there was like a huge issue where like the white one got paid. Oh, more. and then people yeah. were trying to boycott it, <laughs> it right? Really yeah, it was very problematic. Well, shoot, movie. but then there's also like uh, to all the boys that I loved before the lead, um, the protagonist was Asian. She's she was Vietnamese, so that's great too. Mm-hmm. Um, there was other, oh, Parasite. I remember when they won the Oscars. Yeah, they. I love the way they talked about how, like, no, legit, the movie was just like, damn, we can play the bad guys. Yeah. Because it was about mm-hmm. class and it was about, like, the poor folks against, like, the really rich motherfuckers. <laughs> and then they were, like, really freaking mean. And then, like, I think that it was, like, really important because the conversation was just like, oh, this wasn't about us playing the heroes the people who were our main characters were anti-heroes too, right? Because they weren't all good people. They had their flaws. And then I felt like that was really important because it's like they weren't like the hottest people in like the bunch. And then they played phenomenal. Yeah, characters. and also they didn't yeah. play as side characters because I know, it. I, and I am a very avid TV show, like movie watcher. Like there are not a lot of Asian people in the movie industry like uh gilmore girls i know uh i don't know if you watch it but gilmore girls like the side character is asian and she barely appears on the show after a few seasons (laughs) and who else like 
Um, Lost. I don't know if you also watched Lost, but that was like an old show, and there were two Korean actors on there, but they were side characters too. Like too many side characters, <laughs> not enough like leads. And I just hope as time goes on and this whole COVID situation passes, and movie producers and production people like start more movies, like more more Asian people as lead characters, or just more people. Yeah, I yeah. Mm-hmm. I have two recommendations. So. The one recommendation is a movie. Oh, I love that movie so much. So <laughs> it's about like this um Asian um doctor, mm-hmm. right? This person is like the modern minority myth, right? Basically, but then she was something like the movie itself was so revolutionary because it was talking about a queer oh. love story, and then like she was her rom like her romantic in- like her love interest was basically this other Asian girl who was like dealing with the model minority myth of being someone who was really like into mm-hmm. dance right she wanted uh, her parents wanted her to do ballet and go to Paris for school and things like that and she didn't want to because she wasn't mm-hmm. interested in it because she wanted to do hip-hop and she wanted to do more expressive art that was like more modern like modern dance basically and it was about a romance between those two and man, it had man. What movie in it. is it? People, Saving Face. Oh, I think Saving I heard Face. about that. Yeah, the, the same director um directed the half of us, the half of us, or the half of it on Netflix. It was about another. Oh, story. the Asian like, girl, just, right? You know what I'm talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Asian- <laughs> yeah. I watched that one. I didn't finish it though, but she was interested. Yeah. Like she was queer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like the half of half of it i like okay. saving face because i thought the saving face was more relatable and it also had like a side storyline where it's about like um the the main character's mm-hmm. mother right um her husband died which is like the father of the main character and then she um was pregnant at like a very late age and then it was like a huge scandal and she was considered she was like legit like like kicked out mm-hmm. of the community and like flushing New York and then basically people were trying to find out who she was with like I love the whole like um at the end when we found out who the dad was but like definitely like watch that show Saving Saving Face phenomenal movie and then another show that I really like there's three seasons to it and I really recommend it Killing Eve Sandra Oh is the main Sandra character. Oh the, the uh, one from uh, Grey's Anatomy Oh, I love yes. her. Watch it, Jennifer. Jennifer, watch, watch Killeen and tell me how you. I think. was gonna watch it. I just no, it was like really. Good. I didn't like season two, but then I loved season one, and then like season one legit pulled you into it. It was like it's eight episodes per season, so it's really short. It's not. It doesn't. It won't okay. take you very long. But then these two are very phenomenal, like examples of like great shows, and see how like they won awards for it basically killing eve sandra O won so many awards for that show and the show itself was just phenomenal and then i just loved it yeah i love sandra (laughs) O because like i am a huge grace anatomy fanatic and like like yeah sandra O um in grace anatomy she plays christina she's also a side character um but and and she got Mm -hmm. kicked out oh i'm not trying to spoil it for anyone but yeah, she she got not kicked out of the show, but she stopped appearing on the show. Um, 
a few seasons in for some reason but i i totally miss her oh and about books um i feel like the book about asian americans that i love the most is the joy luck club have you ever read it oh my god i love I the lo- joy that's luck club that one my of my favorite book. books i've ever read just a, a compilation mm-hmm. of these stories about asian american girls i think and also their mothers yeah yeah, it's really confusing oh at first mm-hmm. because I thought the mothers were the daughters and then, like, it, it's confusing. But, like, mm-hmm. the stories that they tell, like, very chef's kiss. I love it. Totally read that. It was, like, really... It was full of, like... It's, like, people see, like, the mother-daughter relationship as this really, oh, from point A to mm-hmm. point B. And then I thought that this really, like, really, like, tells a story of, like, how much hate yeah. there was, right? Because, like they didn't have good relationships but then in the end as they get older there was like connects back actually a place where they started heal they yeah. started healing the process of healing where they just talk it out and be like oh it's because you came from a place of trauma and then you didn't know how to deal with it and then I had to deal with it growing up right but then I realized that and then I felt sorry for for you and then you understand how I feel as a person and I felt like that was such a phenomenal story where it's just like yeah, it like I feel like a lot of people just talk about oh love, like mother really love and stuff like that. But then it's important that it's the fact that Joy Luck Club talked about hate and anger mm-hmm. a lot more. And then you also well, for me, I saw a lot about the differences in the culture between the mother and the daughter, and it just like kind of related mm-hmm. back to me and my father actually, not my mom, because my mom's very um yeah. she. She uh, kind of assimilated to American culture really quickly, but my dad and I still have like a ton of differences between the Asian culture and Asian American culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And then I think that, man, like I'm just thinking about all these like important media that we should have like saw growing up. And like we, it's been so late where like we got older, we realized that we needed it and then we had to like go mm-hmm. find it. Right, we have to like Google and like, okay, is there a book about mother and daughter relationships that I can read? Oh, is there one that talks about um yeah. queer folks? Right, that looks like me. That's not always just oh white gay men. Right, I think that that's very important too. Right, and then I think us, I I want people who are listening to be like, when you look for it, you will find something that surprises you. I think it surprises me and Jennifer here. We're just, we're just like, oh my god, this exists. This is a thing. Sandra O's the main character of her own show. Like, wow, yeah, definitely gonna hop on that. Like after this podcast, I have so much time today <laughs> on my hands. I'm I'll watch it again. Can we like watch it and then we tell you next episode? Yeah, we talk wait, about actually it? not this week because I want to finish the whole season. But I'm actually going to Boston this week. So I won't have mm-hmm. time, but like maybe like next week. Wait, which is actually the yeah. episode we're gonna but- release probably because this is released on Friday and today Sunday. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it kind of works out. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, I think. We, do you want to end it off with something? I can. I can yeah, I mean, I'm surprised we actually talked for like 47 minutes about just like <laughs> on our first episode because I was like super like. <laughs> I, I like super shy sometimes around people but yeah definitely like I'm glad we had this conversation and like you told me about a new show that I'm gonna watch <laughs> okay so I'm gonna end it off with like this really serious thing but then yeah mm-hmm. definitely 
reach out to us if you have any questions, if you want anything for us to really talk about. But I really want people to emphasize that at the end, we really talked about representation mm-hmm. to really get away from the model minority myth. We, I still want to emphasize that like media visibility is not itself mm-hmm. political power, right? It may facilitate it as like a first step by drawing attention to our movement, but like starring in a movie, a TV show is not racially liberatory, right? And it certainly doesn't come to dismantle structures of oppression, right? Because I think that, oh, Parasite won an Oscar, right? It still didn't stop the violence mm-hmm. that happened right after when COVID came to the U.S., right? I think that it's important to be, like, to not discount anyone who's working on media representation, right? I think they are doing a lot of, like, work, and but then it's never the end point in the anti-racism movement. Like, we are not done. And then... And while we can enjoy our movies that has people like us, understand that that's not 98% of the story, right? I think a lot of people use that as 98. Oh, we see ourselves in crazy rich Asians, racism against Asians. It did not. It did not, right? (laughs) So, like, definitely know that while you fight for that, also build political power. Get people you trust, right? I Mm -hmm. trust Jennifer in, like, this movement of organizing, and she trusts me, and then we have like our group of people who we trust right to really protect us and we protect them so definitely if you want to really get away from the model minority myth legit get a couple of your friends and just have a huge discussion about it and being like why is it Mm -hmm. so bad why do we have to keep on relying onto it and I think that is the first step on truly branching off from this um really bad narrative that we like basically grew up with yeah and I guess uh (laughs) Well, you kind of just compiled everything in that, and I don't really have anything mm-hmm. to say. But yeah, definitely, again, if you have any questions, if you want to be a part of this podcast, if you want to hear about stuff, uh, just DM us uh, on our API Union Instagram. And yeah, just yeah. everyone have a nice day. Thank you, Lynn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thank you, you, Jennifer.